Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 98 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm talking with Eric Reynolds. Now, this is our second attempt at recording because the first one, the first half of the recording was absolutely brilliant. And then the second half, it was on less than half speed and it really wasn't very pleasant to listen to. And Eric did sound weird. Anyway, I'll give you a little demo of that in the actual interview. Even on this day, we still had a few problems because the place where Eric is staying in Pennsylvania, um, their internet was down that day and it was very hot. It was a hot day here in the UK and it was a hot day in Pennsylvania. And so Eric was trying to find a place outside that he wasn't in the sun, but where we had some good internet connection. And it took us about 20 minutes to, to find somewhere. And I think he was still a bit in the sun, so I hope he didn't get too burnt. Um, and because we're outside, or Eric was outside, I wasn't, you can still hear some wind in the mic. And there's a couple of occasions where the signal drops slightly. So Eric and I met through Twitter um, and we had a little message backwards and forwards. And then I invited him to come onto the podcast. So let me tell you about Eric. Eric Reynolds opens up about the shooting that changed his life while working at the Boynton Beach Police Department. As a cop, Eric was overweight, unhealthy and experiencing signs of PTSD. After learning about a ketogenic lifestyle, Eric lost weight, increased his energy levels and improved brain function. When he retired in 2019, Eric became a licensed sports nutritionist and personal trainer and started the Keto 5 Nutrition Coaching Company. Tune in as Eric speaks about the inspiration behind his Keto 5 group and his Cops and Campers Retreat program for Cops. Welcome, Eric, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Nice to be here once again. Yeah, for the listeners, this is our second time because the first one, we had a perfect first half of recording and the other one went very, very slow and we couldn't really understand what you were saying at all. So we couldn't put that out. So we're doing this again. So hopefully it'll be just as good because it was a fabulous episode that we recorded. So now I'm sure it will be. Yeah. So. Um, Eric is going to tell you a little bit about his life, but I'm going to ask him where in the world he is, because when I spoke to him last time, he was in North Carolina. Where are you now? Uh, now we're in Pennsylvania working on a farm called Bobber Farms. It's a grass fed beef farm. And I'm working like a dog, man. This guy's, you know, his name is Jim. 
And I, I keep saying I can't make it to the regular gym because I'm working out with at this gym. And this farmer workout is no joke, man. Lifting up stuff, chasing pigs around. You know, we're providing for ourselves. You know, we get, you know, we're homestead and we get food from it. And, you know, the way the prices of beef and all kinds of meat, dairy products are in this country, it seems to be a good, good trade off. I help him. They, you know, they give us free meat. So they feed you. Yeah. Excellent. So let's go first to why you're on. Well, no, I'm going to let you decide how to do it. So the first question we normally ask is, how did you end up in low carb keto and go back as far as you need to? But we also want to find out about a bit about your life and what it's like now and how you're how it came to be that a month ago you're in North Carolina and today you're in Pennsylvania. Well, I guess I can say real fast. I retired in 2019 from uh, law enforcement as a. Don't say it real fast. Oh, uh, don't say build, it real. Build up the story. Well, I was. I wasn't going to get right. I'm just saying, <laughs> since we were, since we retired, we sold our house and we traveled the country in our travel trailer and a big truck, and we go to different campsites, different you know lo- national parks. And now that gas prices are going a little crazy, we thought, you know, let's just start working on certain farms that believe in the way we eat and our our nutrition goals in life. And we found a whole bunch of them out there that are like-minded and they just need help. And that's what we're doing right now. So it's great to go all over the country, North Carolina. We were at a, a pork farm. We helped, uh, you know, I was in the butcher shop and doing all kinds of stuff outside my comfort zone that I've never done before. So that's kind of why we're here at this point right now. Yeah. So do you do you phone them up in advance and say, have you got some work? Can you trade some work for some food or do you phone them or do you just sort of turn up on their doorstep? Well, there is an organization called Wolfer, which is worldwide organization of organic farming or something like that. I, I don't know the breakdown of it, but you can reach out through that organization and find people. Or well, what we like to do is go to our local farmers markets and we talk to the farmers we ask them about, you know, whether they use corn in their, you know, in their feed for animals or soy. And you just start talking to them and you find out a lot of them are really open-minded. They understand how toxic corn and soy is for some of their, you know, animals, especially the ones we're eating. And then you get invited out there to the farm. And then sometimes you just ask them, do you guys ever need help putting up fences? You know, and they'll ask you, do you know how to drive a tractor? You know, and I hadn't, but now I do. I know how to drive two different types of tractors. I drove like a Bobcat skid steer machine that I never, I mean, all I ever drove was police cars. So it's been pretty exciting learning how to like work with my hands and doing stuff that a suburban kid from the city never did ever in my life. And here I am 52 years old doing it. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, I'm, uh, let's see, I, my mom's a retired homicide sergeant from Miami-Dade Police Department in Florida. She did 30 years down there, so I grew up a son of a cop. And I guess it was always in my blood. Uh, you know, I was always a neighborhood cop anyways, you know, separating fights, trying to get people to you know, at least get along, you know, and never wanted to be a cop. You know, I thought I would go to some federal agency or something like that. But after college at Florida State, you know, I got into retail theft, catching shoplifters and stuff for stores, which was fun, you know. and then I finally got asked by a certain department, my old department said, hey, why don't you come join us? Put my application in in 2000, 2001, and I got hired on. I was a police officer, and I did almost 20 years there. And during that time, I suffered from that occupation, not only uh, physically, but mentally, you know, and uh, of course, my health suffered. And I got, 
I think pretty obese when I was 75 pounds heavier than I am now, mm. you know, and, you know, there's some things that happened during my career that led to some of the uh, weight gain and stuff like that. Yeah. Are you happy to dip into that incident? The, the one big incident that we spoke about last time? Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about it. Um, well, in 2012, I, um, a guy robbed a bank in a city next to us. And I had actually picked up the bad guy coming into our city in his car. And we got into a car chase and you know, he ended up crashing and then he opens his door and I'm thinking he's going to run. And then he starts shooting at me through his door, like, and the door crack. And we start shooting back. Another officer had pulled up with me and now we're both exchanging gunfire with him. And I think we got shot like 38 rounds. The shooting goes on for a good two minutes. Um, he ended up dying at the scene, the bad guy. He got shot 14 times and then I got shot twice. Um, I took a round through my left foot. And I took a graze off my right shin and, you know, it wasn't enough to keep me out of the fight at that point. Cause it was an adrenaline dump and, you know, all the other stress, stressful things going on. We were being shot at. And, you know, that led to a lot of other issues throughout my career over time. You know, the PTSD creeping in the realization that you had to take a life when you didn't get into this job to take the life, you know, no, uh, you know, save them. And I guess you're trained, you're trained to, come into those situations and how to deal with it but the actual training and then actually being there is probably very very different yeah and the after effects of it you know the rest of your career every time you're doing anything related to police work you're already a little bit more heightened you know you're in that state of flight or fight all the time more than I used to be yeah you know so that started taking a toll on my cholesterol I mean my yeah my cholesterol my cortisol my weight gain, um, my sleep, my relationships with my, you know, my wife and kids, like everything was being affected by it. And, you know, I tried to ignore it like we all do, but eventually I had to come to grips with it. That that whole incident kind of, you know, threw me for a loop for a little bit. And I got to learn how to dance with it, you know? Yeah. So you, you, did you stay on the road for a while after, or did they take you off the road? When I, uh, I was home for about three months, my son was five months old. I spent my first father's day with a you know, a cast on my foot, a constant reminder in a weird way. And then once I got back to the road for about six months, yeah, I was back out there and it was horror. It was horrible. It was hard. You know, it was just the day in, day out, you know, the stress of thinking, am I going to shoot somebody again, which the numbers show here, you've been in one incident like that, you're probably going to be in another. And mm -hmm. sure enough, the other, the other officer that was in my incident also was in another shooting six months later. So that plays with your psyche. It plays with your, you know, what's going on every day. So I was lucky to get an evidence job, which is, uh, you know, catch a bad guy. who stole a purse. The purse goes into evidence or something like that. Well, we would take all that stuff in and barcode it and keep track of it and give it back to people. And it's, you know, when the case is over. So it was real. It was a slower paced job for me. A lot of guys would have hated that type of job. But at that time in my career. It was perfect. You know, I didn't have to battle with vacations. I didn't have to listen to the radio all day long and hear, you know, have to be responding to bank robberies or people not breathing or babies not breathing or people hitting each other with babies or whatever the case may be, you know, yeah. and you're out of that. But it still doesn't mean that stuff doesn't creep in, you know, and still affect the rest of your life. Yeah. So so in this point, you you over time, I guess you were putting on weight 
Um, did that increase more? I mean, obviously, it was very stressful. I don't know if you were working different shift times when you were in the police force, but we know that working different shift times also interferes with your weight. Um, you saw it creeping up. Did you? Did you ever? Did you just think it was normal, or did you think you need to do something about it? Part of it was thinking it was kind of normal, the progression of life, because that's what we've been taught. You know, you get in your 40s, time for medication. In your 50s, they start probing you, you know, whether no matter what end it is, you know, and that's just the path you think you're supposed to go. And then, you know, I'd see a couple of guys now and then that were in really good shape my age. And, you know, you just kind of talk to them. It was always seen to be diet or something. And I never really followed through on it, you know, but I was probably at the time of the shooting, I was about 225. And another 25 pounds later, I would say, when it really hit me, you know, and that's when I had a buddy I was playing basketball with that told me about the ketogenic way of eating. What did you think about that when you first heard it? Well, he was a good athlete when he was 50 pounds heavier. And then when he lost 50 pounds, I started moving around like a former college athlete would be moving around as I was very impressed with it. And he was like getting up there, hanging on the rim and stuff. And I'm like, man, what, what, how'd, you, how'd you lose that weight? And he started telling me about burning fat for fuel and it went right over my head i didn't get it you know i was still from the old world of you know you gotta cut out the beer cut out the you know the bread is in pastas at least was something i kind of knew about from doing atkins back in the 90s but i didn't really understand enough about fat for fuel you know and how my body can change and use this for that and so i was just a novice and then he sent me the link and i just started reading up on it and i saw some of the recipes and some of that stuff looked pretty tasty. So I said, you know, let me try this, you know, and one of the first things I ever got was one of those fathead pizzas, you know, and I made a pizza and I went to my kids little, I was coaching T-ball then for my kids. And man, I had that slice at nine o'clock or two slices, you know, not very much, but I wasn't hungry for like five hours, man. The rest of, you know, almost half the day went by and I was like, man, you know, I was full, I was satiated. So I started looking into making more of my own recipes, chicken, broccoli, casseroles, and bringing them to work with me. And then over two weeks, I lost 10 pounds, which water weight, you know, you know, that happens a lot when you first jump on the training, you know, but this time it felt different. Something was different. I couldn't really pinpoint what it was. Maybe it was my motivation, you know, and then over the next six months, I lost 50 pounds. You know, I just kept going, you know, I was fasting. You know, I was using the 16 to 18 hour window of fasting and trying to get my meals in between nine and three in the afternoon. And that was a huge game changer for me. And also working out in the morning before I ate, you know, getting up, maybe I'll have a little coffee or something to get me going. But that was it, man. And then, you know, once I discovered carnivore and then I retired, I lost another 25 pounds. And that's when I actually got a little more shredded, which I couldn't believe I was walking around 180 pounds as a 50 year old man and in the best shape of my life. I felt it was kind of weird. He's like, I wish I knew this when I was 18 to 30, 30 to 40, but nobody ever tells you that, you know, they don't want you help. No, no. I I say now that I'm in my fifties, I feel better in my fifties than I ever did than I can ever remember actually. And I can, and it's not just the physical being able to move. It's also the mental clarity, the mental acuity, the, it's really hard to explain, but I don't know how, if you feel the same, but it's the feeling inside of, I can, I can do anything. Um, it's just so different. I call it an awakening because what happened was I started reading labels, started paying attention. You know, I got me my little carb app or whatever it was. 
tracking everything over the next two months. After about two months, I stopped tracking. I kind of knew what foods I was eating, what I was putting in my body. I already had a good list of ideas of what I can and can't eat. Or if I go to a restaurant, I knew what I could, you know, I bring my own like parm crisp as my, uh, you know, instead of getting croutons, I yeah. bring these little cheesy parm crisp and throw it into a steak salad with extra blue cheese. And man, that was great. Now I don't do the dressings as much because of the soy that they put in there or some of the other toxins. But at that point, that was enough to get me going in the right direction. Yeah. You know, and man, like you said, your brain starts firing on all cylinders. And I started really understanding, absorbing information. I started watching doctors, lectures, and these guys would have put me to sleep five years ago trying to pay attention, you know, watching some of these guys. But when I learned like Dr. Diamond's speech about, or about cholesterol, you know, and how the cholesterol companies are fudging their numbers or trying, you know, how they're like, they're just dirty. And then you talk to another doctor about sugar. You're like, Oh my God, they're, they're dirty too. You know? So it was just, it's just, I was shocked in the amount of corruption that really is going on with our FDA and our food industry here and how deep pockets they got to keep this agenda going of us being, we've been sick as heck the last 70 to hundred years. And no one, oh, I just, the way life is, it's in my genes. No, bad habits and bad diets are in your genes. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and there's so much, so much money involved that they, they've got no, the companies have no will to change and they have people put in place, particularly in America and the FDA and the USDA, you know, that they, they have people in their pockets there so that they can keep the agenda going. And then the rest of the world, for some reason, just follows what America does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry, world. But, uh, <laughs> we've gotten you guys fat like us. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they 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 were saying, and it's quite ironic, really, because I just wrote a report about metabolic markers, and you know they say that 12% of the American population um, is healthy, so 88% are not healthy, or they have at least one mark metabolic marker which is out of range. But this week, as we're recording, which is, where are we, the middle of July, um, they're now saying that only 7% of the U.S. population is healthy. So we've got 93% with at least one metabolic marker out of range. That's incredible. And, and they don't want to change. They don't want to change it. They want to keep us sick and stupid. Yeah, when, when I was at my heaviest, I think it was 2017, I was in a documentary called Cops and uh, Cabins. A bunch of cops get together to like debrief and just de-stress together. And we don't know each other. We just shot stories and all this stuff. And I saw myself on video in the documentary. And I knew camera adds a little bit of weight, but man, I did not like the way I looked. And there was a portion of it where I broke down talking about meeting another cop that had PTSD. And I saw myself, I just looked sick, man. I just did not like it. Looking back at it, I can, all the signs are there. I was probably pre-diabetic, you know, without being diagnosed with, I know it was, you know, at least 75 pounds overweight. I was diagnosed with heart disease. They said I had a 9% chance of having a heart episode in the next 10 years after I had my CAC score wow. of, 1500, of 1500. So they were really scaring me. But at this time, I was also losing weight and educating myself and looking at different doctors and following, all right, well, what about stents? Let me, let me understand what they actually do, who makes them, 
and let me understand the hazards going that route. You know, I want to know what the effects are. And I had an officer buddy of mine die of a heart attack about, I think it was about three years after he had stents put in and he was in great shape. I think that was an unnecessary procedure. Um, we know how American medicine is here. Everything's unnecessary. They never treat the root cause. It's always, you know, by body part and every body part has a whole, you know, medical school for it. So, you know, I opened my eyes with the opiate crisis that happened in early 2000s when I was here, seeing how powerful pharmaceutical companies were and how, how blatantly just people are being poisoned over their lifetime, you know, and I took personal, I got mad that they would lie to my mom when she was a working mom and saying some of those fast food breakfast options or, you know, cinnamon toast crunch with pop tarts is a nutritious breakfast because Kellogg's bought all the freaking sponsorships. You know, you just start seeing that. And I start getting mad, you know, I'm like, oh, you know what? You ain't going to get me. You're not going to get my circle of friends or my circle of family that will follow, you know, and that's how I ended up in this whole keto 5 world, you know, that I stumbled into, you know. So tell us how you got to keto 5 Well, when I started losing weight, you know, smaller department, about 200 people, they start to notice, you know, you go down six sizes from a 42 to a size 36, you know, my face is getting thinner. I'm, you know, maybe you're seeing more cuts in my arms than you did before. Cause I, you know, I didn't have all the fat blocking my muscles and people just start asking them, like, man, how'd you lose this weight? You know, I'm like, ah, oh, this way of eating. They kept saying diet, diet. I'm like, it's not a diet. I go, this is the way we should be all the time. Just meat and vegetables, keep it simple, no process foods, keep the seed oils out of the house, you know, keep them in the gas tanks where they go. And I started helping. I had a small chat about five to 10 people. And they would ask me all the time It's kind of being annoying, you know, like you're on call all the time. But I decided to start a Facebook group. And then they started spreading word to their family or another cop they may know in, you know, different jurisdiction, different states. And now I'm, I think I'm around 1100 people in my Facebook group. It's all nothing but first responders or military people that just want to, you know, Sometimes they feel that they can talk to me rather than another practitioner or maybe another doctor or something or another nutritionist because, all right, this guy's been there. He's been through a shooting, been through PTSD, he's been fat, he's had marital problems. He probably had a drinking issue at one point of his life. I can relate to this guy. And that's what I do now. When I travel around, I meet retired cops are always looking for help and I sign them up. I'm like, let's get it done. Within two months, I'll set you free, man, because you'll understand it. You'll know what to do and it's up to you at that point. Yeah. So Hawaii Five O meets keto. Yeah, that's what yeah, that's a good commercial. What do you get when you cross keto with Hawaii Five O? Keto Five <laughs> So can we just put some timeline on this? So um you joined the police in two thousand and one, you had the shooting incident in two thousand and twelve. Is that right? Um yeah, yeah. so that's ten years ago now. Um and then you your friend was um playing ba- basketball and he got you onto the ketogenic way of eating what, what year was that approximately what happened that, that i was march of 2018 2018 and so yeah. you started to change your life now at that point you were still with the police force yes and um and so you you've got the people around you that are starting to take notice and to move now your boys are 10 killians 10 and Altan, Altan, is that how you say it? Yeah, Altan. <laughs> is six. Um, but you've, since they were little, you've been feeding them unprocessed foods and real foods, 
Why did you do that for them, but you didn't do it for yourself? Well, I still ate what was in the house. So when my, my wife breastfed each of them, each of my boys for three years, she was very uh, in tune with her body, what she was putting into her body, because she could see the effects on our children. That's how she found out she was gluten sensitive and found out my oldest son's gluten sensitive. So we, now we don't have gluten. Then we don't have any of those issues. Same thing with my wife growing up was fed a lot of cow's milk. So now she's lactose. She can't handle pasteurized cow milk, but she can handle, you know, like raw goat milk, uh. raw goat cheeses, you know, and that started opening my eyes. How come she can eat something like, well, I started thinking about it. That's how people used to eat all the time, right? Go yeah. right up to the goat or the cow and you drink it right from the tap, right? This whole pasteurization process came in because of the big money maker, And then regulations came in that prevent you from eating raw milk in certain states. It's just crazy. It's for animal consumption only. I'm like, well, I am an animal. Get out of here. <laughs> so she opened my eyes to a lot of that stuff. And then, you know, we go to a pizza party, the kid's birthday party or something. And we'd let her, you know, when he was out two or three, maybe to have a slice of pizza. And the kid would be a maniac for like two days because he was already kind of eating clean. And we could see the effects of some of this processed food. So then we eliminated it. And then we saw his behavioral changes. And then we saw how he would comprehend and his athletic ability you know he does ninja warrior stuff now i mean the kid's like jacked i mean i, I wish i could look like him you know he's only 10 but you could see what good nutrition does for the brain the soul you know and everything with his whole body the way he's developing you know he's no knocking knees no ankles turning out i mean he's walking like a man he's gonna yeah. be you know when he gets older yeah. And my my younger one was born a little bit early. So he's had a little different, you know, he was almost cleft when he was born. So he has a little bit of a high arch and it affects him in chewing. So he's a little bit tougher, especially if we're, we're a little more, more of a carnivore family. We got to maybe do more roast for him at times, make the meat a little bit more tender. Otherwise, yeah. he, he, he gets tired. He just can't chew on it. So we're still working with him. It hasn't been a totally easy process. He's my sugar fiend. We don't even have sugar in the house, but blueberries, strawberries, that kid is like, he's like trying to find it, man. He just loves his sweets, but that's something he's going to have to battle with in his life. That sweet tooth. And, you know, it's going to be dangerous, that sweet tooth. You know, I mean, I don't know where he got it from. He hasn't been eating it, but I guess a little once in a while, you have a little bit of almond flour cookies or something like that. That's enough to get it jump started. But yeah, we've been eating real clean with them. And through osmosis, I kind of started eating that way. And then once I really dove into my, why was I now heavy and not losing the fat, now I've kind of stopped it, right? I wasn't getting any fatter. So what do I do to reduce the fat in my body? And that's where the you know keto wave came in. And that was huge. Being able to burn all that extra fuel. I had fuel on my body. I just had to tap into it. You know? yeah. yeah. So whilst you, whilst you were on your journey, you did a... Um... D- DNA test. DNA, thank you. I'm thinking 23 and me, but I it's you know it more. was 23. It was 23 and me, but we're not giving them a sponsor because all they did was give me a free kit, all the free pub we gave them. So yeah. So then you did why why did you do it? Why did you have your DNA tested? Well, I knew my mom and my dad, like my grandparents, were heavy from England, Ireland, and even some of the Nordic, you know, where the Viking country was and all this stuff. So Scandinavian, all that. But my mom's, my grandmother was Cuban from Cuba and her family originated from Spain. 
So I was kind of interested, like what parts of Spain and what parts of England and Ireland. And my, you know, and I already knew they, as a cop, they already got my DNA and my fingerprints and all that. So it's not like I'm giving it away. It's out there. So I did in 2016. And that's also when my buddy Joe had passed away from jogging and he had the stents put in. So a lot of stuff was going on. I go, maybe I should check on my genetics or at least my health markers or something like that. And didn't think much of it. Found some cousins, second, third cousins. Oh, we had to see great grandfather. Hey, I'll never see you again, but it's cool, right? So that July of 2019, when I'm retiring in three months, my wife and I are starting to look at RVs and this kind of travel life. We're just starting to put our toe in the water. And I get an email and says, hey, uh, I did 23andMe. And according to 23andMe, we're half brothers. Not only that, we both live in Florida and we're both cops. So it turns out he's my older brother by 15 months and he's a cop in Orlando, two hours away from me. And our whole careers were two hours away from each other. We probably passed each other in traffic one time and didn't even realize it. Yeah. Or, or at some ceremony or unfortunately some funeral. And it was just crazy. And he'd been RVing already for 10 years. So we camped together. He goes, Oh, you got to try it. Rent a camper or rent a trailer and go out there. And, you know, and he was just that, little voice on my shoulder to give me the push that I think I needed. And now he's retired. He's in Michigan right now camping. And sometimes we cross paths throughout the United States. It's really cool to just have this big brother I never even knew. And now we have so much to talk about. So was he a brother from your mom or your dad? My dad. <laughs> that's all I got to shake my head. My, my, all right. My, my, my parents have been married eight times. So I didn't rush into marriage. That's why I'm still on marriage. Number one, I took my time with this. And, uh, but they're still with the current people they're married to. They've been with over 30 years. It just took them, you know, you got to try, 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 try again to get it right. You know, so that you didn't know about him though. Why didn't your dad tell you? Well, we went back through the history and, you know, Dave, my brother, he's now found his birth mom also. And we kind of worked things out back in the sixties. When she got pregnant, my dad tried to marry her and she was promised to someone else. And that man didn't want to adopt someone else's baby. And then somehow we got back to my dad. She never had it. it was a miscarriage or whatever. Bad test. And then he left town and went 51 years not knowing he had a, his firstborn son out there. I thought I was the firstborn. I'm the one that took all the brunt of everything. I should have been that second kid watching and learning. My big brother make mistakes, you know, but. He was, uh, you know, he grew up in a military family in San Diego. He had a great life. He was out there when Top Gun was filmed, the original, as a little kid. He had pictures with Tom Cruise back then. So he lived, he wasn't, you know, in some poor orphanage, you know, but he, you know, he's just a different guy than me. But deep down, we're the same. It's crazy how alike we are, even though we grew up in two different households. So do you have any other brothers and sisters? I got two more brothers and another sister. Um. The way it is, is every odd marriage, my dad has kids, number one, number three, and number five. (laughs) Wives number two and four got lucky or, you know, or maybe they didn't get lucky. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And um, so now you meet up, if if you're crossing paths, do you actually arrange to meet somewhere en route? We try. Sometimes everything's planned out. Like I had my big cops and campers event in New York, which is a group retreat for cops to get together and just you know, we had our first event this summer, so we missed him because he hadn't, his, his plans are already set, but we'll, we both live in Florida, so we're going to cross paths in the winter at home anyway, so. You're going back. Yeah, we're, we're, well, unless things get 
upside down for some reason. I'm staying right here on the farm and I'm going to turn in my pitchfork and get my assault rifle and protect all this cattle. That's what I'm going to end up doing. Yeah. <laughs> this little. Well, does he do? Everyone asks me, does he do keto? He does a little bit keto. He's still not a hard charger like I am, but osmosis, I'll, I'll get him on board because he does have that retirement belly working. Yeah. So what made you given being give up being a cop completely and just take to the road and then i was going to ask you about the pulling the boys from school how do how do you feel about well obviously i know how you feel about it but um perhaps talk about the differences in them from being in school to not being in school well the the path of the shooting in 2012 my buddy joe passing away in 2016 me discovering keto in 2018 that same year we had gone, we didn't like the way first grade was going for our oldest son. It was kind of starting to be a little bit more restrictive and conforming into a box kind of mentality in school. Getting, you know, they spend half their time getting in line for stuff, getting in line for the water fountain, get in line, you know. So this whole day is just spent taking directions, following orders to do something that is very trivial, I think, in learning. So he'd come home full of energy, just be like a wild man. We thought it was a sugar high or something that he needed to eat because he didn't, you know, that's another thing. You know, his meal time was at 10 and then he was getting out of school at two o'clock. You know, it was just too long because he never eats his full meal to begin with. You know, they mm-hmm. always leave some and they're never they're distracted, you know. So we went to a homeschool meeting and we met up with homeschool parents and other kids. And when I grew up, the homeschool was kind of had a stigma to it. It was for weirdos or religious based, or maybe a kid had mental issues or something. I didn't know there was a whole segment of just normal, smart, brilliant kids out there that are homeschooled. And it's not always by, you know, you think your parents are teaching you everything. A lot of the learning that my kids do now is through play, through like on a farm with me, riding with me on a tractor, riding with me to plant corn or slaughtering a, a hog or something like that stuff I've never learned, but he's learning hands-on skills, how to shoot, you know, bows and arrows and, um, you know, and at the same time, he's able to still do the basics of math, reading and writing at his pace. Why does he have to be in a hurry to learn how to write by seven? Yeah. You know, he's doing great now. We tried to push him in the reading because fifth grade, they said he's got to start learning his sight words and he was having a meltdown. Then we talk to these homeschool parents are like, nah, you just let them, you de-school first, you get that kind of thinking out, and then you're able to attack all the basics with learning real life skills rather than just, you know, we saw five Great Lakes last summer. We didn't watch it on a video. We swam in it. We tasted it. We touched it. And that's an education to see something like that. You know, Niagara Falls, you know, that's, they'll never forget that. And they'll understand how that works. And there's a whole science behind Niagara Falls. It's just not a big waterfall all the electricity that's being supported out there. I mean, it's very interesting stuff, you know, and different way of learning. I mean, I wish I would have learned like that, you know, but I was right at the tip in the eighties where school was still kind of fun. They would teach you machine shop or woodwork. And now all that stuff's out, you know? Yeah. So get on with your exams. Do you, do you meet the numbers that the school needs to be a good school in inverted commas? And it's yeah. not really about the child learning. It's about them getting their numbers right. I don't know if well, it's here like it's a, there. Every seat, every seat in the school is, is a dollar sign for the school, unfortunately. That's money, revenue coming in. Yeah. So if that kid's not there and another, they'll put another kid right in that spot. 
So it's they don't care about your kid, man. They really yeah. don't. And I think they're learning great stuff that they might not have learned in school, but but at the same time, you're creating memories that you're doing it together. The stuff that you're doing together is stuff that they're never going to forget. Yeah, I got into fatherhood at 42, which is very late for a lot of people. And my parents had me in their early 20s. I've seen the two lives. They worked and hustled, got divorced, got remarried, changed jobs, trying to and trying to be a parent at the same time. Not saying they didn't do a great job, but I've seen the difference. And now I'm able to be a parent involved in my kids' development on a daily basis. I see them all the time and I'm not distracted with work. I'm not, you know, I do run my nutrition stuff and, you know, my cops and campers event stuff, but they got my attention more than they did when I was a regular dad working nine to five and they were in school. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fabulous. Fabulous. So tell us a little bit about how they eat and how you eat. Is it the same, different? How does that work? Well, now that we're on a farm, man, the price of meat, usually we're we're having to go pretty basic. We got to get the, you know, the, whatever the, uh, We'll get ground beef, you know, because usually a little cheaper, seven, eight dollars a pound. We'll load up on that. Maybe we'll splurge and get some ribeyes or something. But for the most part, we get chuck roast and stuff like that in the and just make a roast. But now that we're on a farm, you know, I'm able, he he gives me filet mignon, he's giving me New York strip, he's giving me all kinds of like the good cuts, which I'm totally getting spoiled. I don't know how I'm ever gonna leave this place. But we mornings, um, it's pretty much like bacon, eggs, maybe a little sourdough bread. My wife makes some or we'll buy it with only a few ingredients. There's no gluten in it. It's, you know, we try to find bakeries that'll make that type for us. It's a little easier on our digestive systems, yep. you know, and, and, you know, if I start dabbling in a little bit too much, I feel it in my joints. I start getting inflamed again. So it's, you know, I know my body's like, Hey, you had too maybe that sourdough bagel you had wasn't a good idea, you know, cause I'll feel it in my knee, but my youngest is sensitive to eggs if the chickens are fed soy or corn. Interesting enough. He has a problem with that type of chicken and that type of protein that's coming out of that egg. Now, when we go to free range with it, they're eating insects and then whatever scraps that are being thrown over there, he doesn't have a reaction to it. It's very interesting because he's so pure, we can see it now when something messes with him. We're not overloaded with impurities in our body. So we've learned through him he can have eggs or one egg every other day. We can't, you know, blast his uh, immune system with all this different stuff, you know, because the poor guy, you know, here we are, eat eggs, eat eggs, and he's breaking out in these rashes or these little like eczema stuff on his elbows, you know, and, but for the most part, they eat red meat. We do salmon for fish. They, they'll have a um, little bit of uh, rice now and then, which will be, um, I forgot what kind of rice she gets. Basmati rice. That's what she gets. Yeah. And then we'll do zucchini pastas. We'll do potatoes. We kind of, we'll still dabble in, like we'll do French fries once in a while, but we don't do it every day. We do it maybe once a month. We'll yeah. do fried plantains. You know, they get their berries and they get, you know, strawberries, blueberries, mango, bananas. They kind of eat and we make them eat it on an empty stomach. So there's no fermenting going on when you put it on top of eating beef or heavier meals, you know? So, we kind of understand them. They break their morning fast with, with uh, it's called a tea broth that she makes. She uses bone broth. Yeah. And she uses a little bit of tea and she gets some of the, uh, it's really expensive honey, let me tell you. But it's really good honey that she puts in there. I can't even remember the name. It's like $20. A, 
Yeah, Manuka. that's it. Yeah, yeah, Manuka hunt is killing me every time I see it in the stores. And <laughs> but you know, we don't mind spending money on healthy food if we're not spending it on the other crap. Yeah. We're not buying Doritos. We're not buying soda. We're not getting our nails done. We're not spending, you know, a hundred dollars to take the family out to a movie right now. We'll rent it, we'll watch it on Netflix or maybe a friend's house or something, but we just can't the way life is for us to sustain this, you know, I we've got to be, you know, conscious of what we're, uh, what we're buying, Mm. you know, we're all surviving on my police income, you know, and unfortunately the way this country works, they don't want you to be retired at 50 years old. They want my wife and I to keep working until we're 70 and then enjoy 10 miserable years of retirement and then pass away at eight. That seems to be the the script. Yeah. And that's if, and that's probably 10 years of not very good living because you've, you haven't been living, you haven't been living well so that you're, you haven't got the health that you need for those last 10 years to actually enjoy it. Right. So tell us what you're doing now in terms of, so we know you're on the farm, you're helping out, but talk to us about your sports nutrition stuff and helping people. How do you- So in 2020, I met, you know, like I was, I think I said last time I stumbled on to uh, low carb USA I saw Doug Reynolds and Fat Fiction and was just following up with his company. And I ended up signing up, becoming a member. And somehow I ended up corresponding with him through a membership email and I ended up on his podcast. And he mentioned to me about going to sports nutrition school. And I talked to Jeff Carterman about it. And it was very intimidating to me. I was so like, oh, I don't know about this, you know. But I thought of it and helping other people. Why not know more about what I'm learning already, you know, and have a license or have some some form of certificate behind it and knowledge. So I dove into that the whole COVID summer on lockdown. I was studying, doing my practicals on the road, trying to find, you know, people that would, you know, give me a test, you know, on the honor system and all the craziness of it. But man, I learned a lot. And then I started uh, taking on clients. Um, Just picked up, only run about two or three a month, nothing major. I don't go crazy. I want them to have my undivided attention. You know, I'm not running a, a pill mill or anything for keto patients or anything like that. And I try to teach them the way I learn. I don't come in too strong. I educate them. I like documentaries for Magic Pill. I already said fat fiction. Watch the fat double documentary and just understand it and understand what you're putting into your body and the effects and why you feel like you do at this age and why you may be, you know, having these issues. Mm-hmm. It's not just your genetics, you know, and I, once I teach you or you follow it, if I raid your pantry and I go through and I point out everything, you need to get rid of this, get rid of Doritos, put in pork rinds or get rid of this and put in this instead, man, people catch on. And then they start to feel fantastic. And then, like I said, at this point, you know, you're in charge of the ship. If you're going to dip back into those old temptations, hopefully you feel it and you'll stop, you know? Yeah. You can, you can only show them so much and then the rest is up to them how much they're willing to, to keep it going. So you've done your job now. It's well, and all the time it's their job to make the changes and do what you say. And, um, that's I get their- in there. So my cop buddies would be like, man, I was drinking a, I grabbed a Pepsi the other day and you were in my head. I'm like, I know, man, because that's tox- toxic. Yeah. Don't drink the Pepsi. You know, I go do something, get another sparkling water or get, man, get a Vizzy, even though you can't drink on duty, but still get something else besides that garbage. But I like that I can get into their brain a little bit. 
just creep in there, you know, one step at a, or one finger at a time, pulling that door <laughs> open for you to be on our side. You know? Yeah. Fantastic. You were saying that the boys have some rice and they have some fruit. What What's your diet like? And what, um, yeah, what's your diet like? Is it totally carnival? Let's see. Lately, it's been probably 90% animal based product, except for maybe like I, I was mentioning a slice of sourdough bread, which I'll load up with ghee butter. You know, I'll throw some salt or garlic salt on it, make my own little like garlic crispy, you know, little snack or something. But I pretty much, I don't, I seem to be only eating two meals a day, but I eat, you know, you know, 180 pounds. So I'm definitely going over that in my protein intake, you know, and my, but I eat a lot of ground meat, steaks. Um, I do ancestral supplements for organs. You know, sometimes I can get beef hard into my diet, but the liver and stuff, we don't eat a lot of, uh, we can, but it's not a, you know, like most of us, it's not a big favorite of ours. Mm. So if we, we can, if we can get it, you know, ground up into a powder form, which we follow a couple of different people, you know, Saladino's got one. And then also you got answer supplement with liver King. Those have been beneficial to us. My wife's had thyroid issues. So she takes the thyroid, you know, I joke, I got brain issues. So I'll take the beef brain, you know, if I'm not <laughs> acting right or something, but it's usually the liver. We do the minerals and the collagen, and that's what we supplement most of our meat eating with. Now, my treats, once in a while, we'll do a little scoop of almond butter. I used to do fat bombs, take all that time and mixing it together and then freezing it and then waiting for it to get hard enough. Man, I just scooped almond butter right out of the jar, put it right back in the fridge, and I move on with my life, you know. And But it satisfies me, you know, that little bit of fat, a little bit of, you know, kick. And, you know, out here on the farm, I'm having to eat a little more than I was accustomed to because I'm doing a lot more labor. So I realize as I'm eating, I'm eating a little more and I'm, my body's craving it versus when we were doing our traveling from campsite to campsite, maybe I was just eating to maintain, you know, that energy level at that point. But now, and I had to change, it was like a CrossFit workout. These, I had to change these four tires off this like, like tractor machine. And these tires are like 150 pounds each. I'm rolling them off a truck, making sure they don't roll down the hill into the farmhouse, you know? So I'm like battling them and I'm putting them on. I mean, it was a total farmer's workout, man. Let me tell you, I'm feeling it today, <laughs> but you know, that kind of, you know, labor that you're putting in, you're going to eat more. And my body was demanding more calories and more protein and more fat from it. So yeah. I had to adjust there, Def- you know, and I do, I do break my fast with a morning coffee with beef broth in it and heavy cream. Yeah. And I'd still be a cop for 20 years. I still like a little sweetness in my coffee. So I will do a couple of shots of stevia just to give it a little kick. And then that breaks my fast, but then I'm good for two, three hours after that. I'm, I don't have to eat again or anything. You know? Yeah. And then you were yesterday, was it yesterday you were chasing steers? So that's getting your sprinting workout in. Yeah. A couple of escape steers. They, I think they know they're going to market. So they're like, we're out of here. You know, because <laughs> They, you know, they, they, they've been taken care of. So they're, they're not going to be reproducing. All they're going to be doing is uh, filling people's bellies. So. Yeah. So Eric, tell us about the, um, cause we spoke about this last time. Tell us about the, um, Netflix program that's coming out in the fall. Oh yeah. My mom's out doing me again. You know, 72 retired. I guess she's part of, a. well, she was a cop in the late seventies, early eighties. She was in the homicide department that was investigating all the Colombian drug cartels and she was doing undercover work and stuff like that. And she 
did a couple of books and they have her character, you know, as a regular person in these books. So I guess the Narcos people from um, the Mexican series of Narcos and also the first Narcos series with Pablo Escobar, they've got another story coming out about Griselda Blanco, who was the uh, Black Widow. She had five husbands, female marriages, but I guess all her five husbands ended up in suitcases or something. And she was ruthless. So my mom was part of those investigations back then. So they're now doing a, a series called Griselda. And so Fia Vergara is actually playing the Black Widow. And they actually have a show of my mom. She's going to be a character on this show as June, which is her real name. And it's going to be Detective June Hawkins. She's going to be, we've talked to the actors playing her. They've been going over scripts together. You know, so my mom got this part-time job helping out the Netflix people with this series. So it's pretty exciting to see how this character is going to portray my mom. And I guess there's going to be a little Eric in the in the show because they want to show how she was a working female officer and she was still maintaining her house and trying to keep the whole still being a mom at yeah. the same time, being a superhero cop at this point. I mean, she was doing stuff you don't want your mom doing. I found all this stuff later because I was only 10 at the time playing with G.I. Joe's. I didn't know my mom was going to be super cop at this point you know until years later i heard the stories and then i'm like mom i would have never allowed it <laughs> <laughs> or it would have been really super cool yeah you mean you try to try to get away with stuff when you're a young kid when your mom's a homicide sergeant let me tell you i couldn't <laughs> get away with it. anything i tried but she'd always find out she's talking to homicide guys and i'm gonna lie to her about something no way that's gonna work yeah so before we finish, is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners about? Well, don't be scared to change your certain, you know, where you're at in life. You know, otherwise it's just going to keep going the direction that it's going right now. It's not going to change. You know, something's got to happen. Maybe it's hearing me talk. Maybe it's watching Magic Pill. Maybe it's talking to you and finding out what's worked for you. You know, you don't have to be stuck in the rut you're in. Trust me, I was in that rut. And it's and it's quite easily to get out of it. Once you start eating right, it's amazing how your life changes and the way you feel. I mean, it's, I don't know, I'm a testimony. And I just keep meeting more and more people that have even better stories than me. And it's fascinating. You know, this program, this way of living is totally doable. Yeah. You know? I, I, I don't like camping or tents or being in small spaces and not having a toilet and things like that doesn't appeal to me whatsoever, but seeing you on the screen and, and now this is the second time we've spoken and seeing your boys and how they're growing up. And I've seen some videos of Killian, you know, you and Killian walking across the, uh, a branch, was it a, a big tree that had fallen down and doing things uh, like that. And I just think, Oh, actually I, I, I get it. I get it. It's not something I'd want to do now, but I wish I'd have maybe known about it when I was a lot younger and my boys were younger and things like that. So, yeah. Well, we have a toilet. We have our bedrooms. You know, we just bring our house with us wherever we go. It's yeah. a whole different way of thinking, you know, and I didn't think I could do this. My wife indoctrinated me with tiny house shows and, you know, treehouse shows and stuff like that. And I thought she was crazy. But the first <laughs> time I, we took, we rented a camper with a bathroom kitchen you know everything's all hooked up and we were on the beach in st augustine florida and those white beaches were right outside my door every day i could just walk outside and it was it was a game changer i go i can i could do this as long yeah. as i'm able to supplement the income and we could pay for it you know yeah so before we finish um tell people how they can 
get in contact with you if they want to? I'm out there. Uh, and you can go to my website, keto50.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter. It's all Keto50. Pretty much the only guy out there. Um, and there's a YouTube channel. If you want to see me driving a tractor and stuff like that, um, it's called Keto50, but Reynolds is my last name in it. And you can see my police shooting. You could see me getting an argument about flying my flag at a campground last year and got me in trouble. And so just all kinds of my brother's stories on there. Some of my mom's stuff. It's really entertaining to see all the weirdness that my life has gotten into in the last couple of years. Yeah, I saw I saw the clip of the shooting. That was yeah, that's something to be able to watch. Yeah. And I'm sure I was, every time you look at that, if you if you rewatch it, I mean, you must rewatch it to a certain extent because you posted it again. Um, that must be bring back all those memories and that trauma. Yeah, yeah. knowing it was ten years ago, and you know, I, I still deal with my foot injury. You know, I've had another surgery a couple years later after the injury to remove some. I had a tumor growing in there. They had to remove some fragments. I think they were left over from the last time I was. It was just, I don't know. It was just a hard road to get here, but it was, you know, looking back at that event, it changed my life for the good. You know, I mean, I didn't want to get shot. I didn't want to have to take a life, but I hate to say I'd do it again to put me back in this spot again where I'm at, you yeah. know, and it, it taught me a lot and it's, it was a scary situation. You know, it wasn't normal to be in a situation like that. So. One thing you mentioned last time when we spoke was that you went to the White House and that you and you spoke about the survivors' guilt. Do you want to just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, when we got honored in 20, uh, 2013, we we're National Officers of the Month for the whole United States. So they bring up all the officers for the whole calendar year. So you have officers that have saved lives, been shot. We had the uh, officers that engaged the Boston uh, bombers. Those guys were there at our conference. So it was really nice to see these, you know, other heroes and stuff. And, but while you're there, you're also seeing all the families that have lost loved ones. You know, you're seeing the kids of a, a father or a mother that passed away in the previous year or maybe years earlier. You're seeing their names written on the wall, you know, and it's very humbling, yeah. you know. And then you start to question, wow, that guy had five kids. You know, when I got shot, I had one. I go, why, why was he? and I wasn't you know it just starts to play with your psyche you know and you do get a survivor's guilt from it and you just kind of have to fight through that kind of dark world and kind of spin it around and say I know I'm I survived that or I got lucky whatever way you want to think about it to be in the position I'm in now yeah and I I had a second son at that you know late a couple years later so that made it even worth it you know and then retiring and then following this new path in life. I mean, it's all happened for a reason. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think you've got a purpose now. You, you may, you know, maybe you didn't get killed because you had a greater purpose to fulfill. And now you're helping hundreds of people, especially first responders to, to get their health back. And maybe that was your purpose and that maybe that's why you're here. Yeah. That's, and I, like I've told people, I've helped more people in the last two years just doing this than I did in my probably my whole police career. You know, I mean, yeah, you had victims that you helped, but day to day really making a difference on more now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So just tell us your three top tips that you're gonna give for the listeners. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's see if I remember these. All right. What I like this they kind of blend together, but slow is fast, meaning any type of we have some in police work smooth is fast. 
if you do it really smooth, you're going to be fast in the end. While I've kind of used in my lifestyle, slow is fast. Because when I take things slow, not only do you do it right the first time, so you don't have to repeat it, but you can sometimes enjoy the ride as you're going. Uh, the weight loss is that way. It's not, you know, I want to be down like me. 50 pounds in six months, I thought you were crazy. It was just that right timing for me. It worked out. It's going to take time for your body to change. If you spend a long time damaging your body, it's not going to happen overnight. It may yeah. take two, three years. It may take five years for you to finally be at a point where you're like, wow. And, you know, I kick ass at this spot where I'm at. Um, I've said it before, you know, all my female clients that I deal with, they get all mad because the boyfriends start losing weight first. And they're on the fast track. It's the rabbit and, you know, and the tortoise, you know, it's the same story. The guys, for some reason, always jump out losing 25 pounds in the first two months. And she's like, I'm at 12. What the heck? Or I'm at eight or I'm still at seven. I'm going crazy, but not realizing that they're losing. Maybe their skin's healing. You know, the rashes are going away, or maybe they're losing a couple of sizes in their bras or in their waistline and they're not seeing it in a, on the scale but there is success going on with their whole body but and then the last thing i would say is uh you have to educate yourself in this no one else is going to change your life it's yeah. going to take you to it's going to take you to do it now we'll be there to help there's a whole army of like-minded people out there that are willing to give you advice and even take you on as clients you know i'm shocked that i can call some of these doctors i've seen on youtube videos whether it's dr barry and then next, you know, I'm at a conference shaking his hand, mm. meeting this guy. Go to the, some of these conferences if you can. Get there. Get around like-minded people and it will open your eyes because when you surround yourself with negative people that aren't on board with what you're trying to do, it's not going to really help you at all. So get out of there. Get into some fresh, like I heard KetoCon was awesome. I heard the Low Carb USA one coming up in August and San Diego is going to, I wish I could get to all, you know, but. Fortunately, my canola with gas prices, I can't take my trailer to San Diego right now. <laughs> but you can do it online. I, I've signed up online to do um, low carb USA. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you can watch it online, but man, when you see someone like Dr. Barry walk in, you're like, oh, there he is. Holy cow. You know, that's the guy. And then you're taking yeah. pictures. And, you know, I had lunch with uh, Brian Lenskis, you know, and he was awesome. And just. Uh it's just nice to see these people that you look at as these heroes. And now you're just talking to them about diet. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm sitting right here at where we go. We went to uh, five guys burgers and we all ordered nothing but like stacks of burger meat. We didn't get any bread. You know, we all just had cheese and jalapenos and, you know, mustard on our burgers. It was pretty funny. Like a whole bunch of us just all sitting there eating like that. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. So, so. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for coming back again and redoing all this. I really appreciate it. And um, I hope the listeners do too. Well, it's great. I mean, last time we talked, I hadn't had the Cops and Campers event in New York and I just had it and it was a huge success. So we're doing it again next June. And it's three days of cops getting together, just decompressing and then also learning about nutrition and having to come to grips with the PTSD and some of the stuff we've gone through our police career. So Cops and Campers is now my motivation along with my keto five O business to just get first responders healthy and look us up, man, come join us. Maybe we get one out there. And I am friends with some uh, English cops out there. They're on a talk show. They do a podcast. Maybe I'll 
rub elbows with them and we'll get a cops and campers event in England or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got all your links. So I put those in the show notes for the cops and campers ones as well. So if anybody's listening and knows a first responder in, in the States or is one, then the links are there for them to, to find you. Yeah. There was a documentary film that cops and campers, so that'll be getting released soon. So I'll share that, you know, through all the platforms. If people want to see what it, what it was like and, you know, kind of get in a, get a taste of it. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank all right. You. Thank you. I'm really very grateful to Eric for coming back on to record again. That is so frustrating. That is the first time that we've had to record an episode again because it hasn't come out well. So I think we should be grateful that it was the first time in nearly a hundred episodes, but still it's frustrating for us at this end. We had to reschedule everything and it must be frustrating for Eric to have to set aside some time again. So Eric, we really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Now Eric got into the police force because he wanted to help people, but as he said, he's helping more people now than he was as a policeman. And Being a first responder is a tough gig and whilst they should be fit and healthy, they often aren't. Their lifestyle, along with long shifts and changing patterns, are not created with health in mind. It's great that Eric is helping these first responders, even if they cannot control certain aspects of their job, like the length of shift or the shift patterns or the times. They can control some of their lifestyle. So they can control what they eat. They can control their fitness and how they move. And so they can make some meaningful changes that are going to stand them in good stead. You're doing a great job, Eric. And I am sure you survived your shooting incident because you're meant to be here to help others in their health journey. So if you want to see the show notes, they can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero nine. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag tfkp all the links are on the website and in the show notes if you haven't subscribed to the podcast click the subscribe button reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform we appreciate you taking the time and read them all disclaimer The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice, whether our guests are doctors, 
healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.